Well, Merry Christmas, everybody. So glad that you are with us today. And in preparation for Christmas, I'm really curious, with seven days left, how many of you would say you have all your Christmas shopping done? Okay, you see their hands go up real quick? Okay. So the rest of us should look at them with like evil eyes or, you know, like we love you in Jesus, but we don't like you right now. I'm curious, how many of you would say, out of those who say your Christmas shopping is done, your wrapping's done as well? Okay, all right. Okay, um, so we're gonna have a special service just for you guys because you are so special. The rest of us, we have seven days left to uh, get our Christmas shopping done, and I just want you to know that Walmart will not be crowded at all this week if you need to go do any shopping, so make sure you stop by there several times. Now, if you're new with this, my name's Trent. I'm one of the pastors on staff here, and I'm so glad that you've come, and you're probably wondering as you walk in and maybe even watching online, like, what's all the Charlie Brown stuff about? And let me explain that. So we went with this Charlie Brown Christmas theme this year because I watched the Charlie Brown Christmas movie not long ago, and I saw that Charlie Brown was wrestling with something that we still wrestle with today. And Charlie Brown asked this very profound question when he was watching people wrestle with the stress and the commercialism of Christmas. And he said, does anybody really know what Christmas is all about? And that's a question that we're still asking today because it's so easy to forget of what Christmas is really about. So many of us love Christmas. As we talked about last week, we did a, a holiday survey and we found out that Christmas is one of our top holidays. And um, I'm just curious, as we think about Christmas, as we, we think about our preparation for that, what are some of the things that you love about Christmas? What are some of the things that you look forward to that, that maybe you have fond memories of? So what is it about Christmas that you love? Seeing your kids smile. Love that. Your kid right next to you is smiling right now. It's happening right now. One of them smiling. Family. Time with family. That's very special. Cookies. Cookies. We could just pause there and, and just stop. <laughs> cookies. Christmas cookies. Christmas goodies. I heard somebody say lights. What else? What do you love about Christmas? Giving. Anybody want to say receiving? I know that's like not, not churchy or anything, but you know, a lot of us would say receiving. S snow? Snow. Sand in Florida and watching it on TV from here. Yes, snow. So we have all kinds of, of things that excite us about Christmas, fond memories, traditions that we look forward to. But when our schedules fill up so quickly with shopping and wrapping and parties and shopping and more wrapping and decorating and cooking and eating and cleaning, sometimes Christmas leaves us exhausted. You know, for me, sometimes at the end of Christmas, I feel a whole lot like this tree looks. I'm overwhelmed, I'm worn out, I'm a little thin on top, maybe a lot thin on top, and I'm irritated, and I'm just ready for Christmas to be over. And I'm ready for the new year to begin. Here's something that I've, I've discovered about myself when it comes to Christmas. Like, I look forward to Christmas. I've got a lot of traditions I love to be a part of and fond memories about Christmas. But sometimes my thoughts and feelings about Christmas 
are different than my experiences of Christmas. Sometimes those two things are, are very different for me. And again, sometimes I'm exhausted at the end of Christmas, but I don't think that's what God had in mind. You know, when he was planning the first Christmas, I don't think he had in mind, you know what, I'm gonna stretch it out so long, they're gonna get so weary, so exhausted, they just can't wait for Christmas to be over. That wasn't a part of God's original plan. I think God had something simpler in mind. If you've ever watched the Charlie Brown Christmas movie, then you know that Linus came out and answered Charlie Brown's question. And he summarized what Christmas is in three things, three very simple things. He basically said Christmas is about giving, it's about receiving, and it's about Christ. So last week we talked about giving. Today we're going to talk about receiving. And I'm curious, how many of you would say that you love to receive gifts around Christmas time? Anybody? Like I know like that's not like super spiritual or anything to raise your hand at that, but uh, I think at some point in all of our lives, whether you, it's when you were younger or now, it seems like a whole lot of us love receiving gifts. It's so, uh, so fun to unwrap something that someone got you and maybe find out if something that, that you hoped you would get, something you never thought you'd get or you're completely surprised by. Receiving gifts can be so much fun, but sometimes receiving gifts isn't fun. Like that time when you were younger and you were so excited to open that gift and you opened it to find a new package of underwear or socks. Anybody ever get Christmas gifts like that? Like those are just bad gifts, aren't they? Like, you know, I hate to you know, tell my mom that because she watches each week, but mom, like, what were you thinking back then? Like, those were just terrible gifts. So nobody wants new underwear or socks at, at Christmas time. So, so receiving gifts is fun, except when you receive something that you don't want, you don't like, or you, you think you don't deserve. We're actually gonna look at a story in scripture today of a couple that received an unwanted gift that they lived with for most of their lives. And we're gonna look at receiving from a very different perspective today. So if at the end of the service, you come back and you're like, hey, that was different. I'm telling you now, it's gonna be different. Okay, we're gonna look at receiving from a different perspective. Luke, one of Jesus' early followers, tells us in Luke chapter one, verse five, that when Herod was king of Judea, there was a Jewish priest named Zechariah he was a member of the priestly order of Abijah, and his wife Elizabeth was also from the priestly line of Aaron. Zechariah and Elizabeth were righteous in God's eyes, careful to obey all of the Lord's commandments and regulations. Verse 7 says, They had no children because Elizabeth was unable to conceive, and they were both very old. Now, verse 7 is not what we expect after reading verse 6. When you read verse six and you see that Zechariah and Elizabeth had obeyed God and followed all of his regulations to the best of their ability all of their life, we expect verse seven to say, and God blessed them. And God gave them everything they wanted. God gave them children, God gave them wealth, God gave them a big family, a great family. We expect on the other side of us following God and doing everything that we think he wants us to do that he will bless us significantly. But God gave Zechariah and Elizabeth a childless family. He didn't give them any kids. 
And they experienced that for most of their lives. Now, back then, having children was a really big deal. And having kids today can still be a big deal. But back then, not having kids for a woman meant that God was punishing you because you had done something wrong. So imagine if everybody around you thought that you had done something wrong just because you can't get pregnant. Now, guys, aren't you glad we can't get pregnant? (laughs) After watching my wife give birth to our four amazing kids, I'm so grateful that I didn't have to go through that. If I had to go through that, we'd have one kid, maybe (laughs) no kids, because I saw somebody else go through it. So, you know, again, if everybody around you thought that you were being punished by God, just imagine what that would feel like. Imagine what that experience would be like. So again, Zechariah and Elizabeth, they lived most of their lives under the stigma that they had done something wrong. And here's a challenging reality, especially if you're a Christ follower. Sometimes God doesn't give us what we want. Sometimes God doesn't give us what we think we deserve. Sometimes he gives us what we don't want, like a bad medical report, a layoff, a significant loss of someone that we love. I have some friends who have struggled for years with the pain of infertility, and that has caused them to wonder often, God, why us? They look at other families and they see other couples having kids like basically whenever they want and they struggle to to have children and they wonder like, what's wrong with us? Like, why would you bless other people and why would you bless even people who don't care about their kids and not bless us? I have other friends whose spouses have died very young and left them with young children to raise. And they've wondered, like, why? Why us? Why me? Why would I be put in that spot? My dad died 21 years ago after an 11-year battle with leukemia. And my dad and my mom, they left the marketplace. My dad left a really good job to become full-time servants of the Lord. They went into full-time ministry and lived off of a fraction of the income that they had before. And they dedicated their lives to following God. And I had wondered for years, why my dad? My dad didn't deserve that. My dad had dedicated his life to to following God and doing what God had, had asked of him. Why would my dad end up in that spot? Why would I end up in that spot with my dad being gone for a long time? And there were many years I prayed, God, heal my dad. And God gave us a different gift. Many of you know that over 16 years ago, my wife Tammy came down with a chronic illness that turned our world upside down. For two and a half years, we went from doctor to doctor to specialist to specialist, and we couldn't get an answer. For two and a half years, we sat in what we felt like was darkness. Wondering why, why God would you give us this? Why would you allow this in our lives? Why wouldn't you give us answers from the medical community? Why couldn't somebody tell us what we were dealing with? I'm sure Zechariah and Elizabeth asked similar questions. 
as they were walking through their journey and dealing with the, the gift that God had given them that they didn't want to receive. Why would God allow this? Why wouldn't God give them gifts, especially after they had given their lives to follow him and obey him? I'm sure they prayed for years. I'm sure they prayed to the point that they decided to stop praying because they felt like it was way too late, that God couldn't work anymore in their lives. But Luke chapter one, verse eight tells us, one day Zechariah was serving God in the temple for his order was on duty that week. As was the custom of the priests, he was chosen by lot to enter the sanctuary of the Lord and burn incense. While the incense was being burned, a great crowd stood outside praying. While Zechariah was in the sanctuary, an angel of the Lord appeared to him, standing to the right of the incense altar. Zechariah was shaken and overwhelmed with fear when he saw him. But the angel said, don't be afraid, Zechariah. God has heard your prayer. Your wife, Elizabeth, will give you a son, and you are to name him John. You will have great joy and gladness, and many will rejoice at his birth, for he will be great in the Lord's eyes. He must never touch wine or other alcoholic drinks. He will be filled with the Holy Spirit even before his birth. And he will turn many Israelites to the Lord their God. He will be a man with the spirit and power of Elijah. And he will prepare the people for the coming of the Lord. He will turn the hearts of fathers to their children and will cause those who are rebellious to accept the wisdom of the godly. Now, that was a powerful statement from that angel in that moment. But put yourself in Zechariah's sandals for a moment. Okay, so you have lived all of your life to follow God. And you've wondered uh, over and over again, why God? Why wouldn't you allow us to have a child? You've prayed for God to give you a child over and over and over again, maybe to the point that you've stopped praying because you think you're too old at this point. And then an angel shows up and says, listen, God has heard your prayer. God is going to answer your prayer. Like, what would you say to that angel after you got done freaking out that a real angel is standing in your presence? Like, what would you say? So Zechariah said in verse 18, how can I be sure this will happen? I'm an old man now, and my wife is also well along in years. Now, I'm going to chase a, a rabbit here for just a second. But guys, if you're married, if you want to be married, if you want to stay married for a long time, pay attention to how Zechariah described his wife, okay? So he said, I'm old, but my wife, she's just well along in years. She's not old. So, so guys, let's learn from Zechariah to choose our words wisely. So Zechariah didn't believe that God could give him a child in his old age. He thought the time for God to work was past. And now this is not possible for God to do this. And that's why the angel said to him in verse 19, he said, I am Gabriel. I stand in the very presence of God. It was he who sent me to bring you this good news. But now, since you didn't believe what I said, you will be silent, unable to speak until the child is born, for my words will certainly be fulfilled at the proper time. So Zechariah couldn't speak until his son John was born. But listen to what happened in verse 23. Verse 23 says, when Zechariah's week of service in the temple was over, he returned home. Soon afterward, his wife, Elizabeth, became pregnant and went into seclusion for five months. How kind the Lord is, she exclaimed. He has taken away my disgrace of having no children. So God heard their prayer. 
God heard every prayer that they ever prayed for all those years that they prayed. God heard their prayer. And he answered their prayer at just the right time. See, they would give birth to John the Baptist, who is credited with introducing the world to Jesus and helping many of his own countrymen turn back to God, even those who were rebellious. He helped them turn back to God. And it certainly seems like we could use some more John the Baptist today in our world, doesn't it? People who turn others back towards God. Now, I don't know what God was doing when he took away Zechariah's ability to speak. I don't know why he made them wait so long to have a child. But listen to what the Apostle Paul says in 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 3. He says, all praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. God is our merciful Father and the source of all comfort. He comforts us in all of our troubles so that we can comfort others. And when they are troubled, we will be able to give them the same comfort God has given us. So sometimes God gives us things that we don't want. Sometimes God allows things in our lives so that we can comfort and encourage other people who are walking a similar path. And I think we see some pretty strong evidence of that in Luke chapter 1, verse 26. Verse 26 tells us that after speaking to Zechariah, Gabriel, the archangel, went to speak to a young woman named Mary. Maybe you've heard of her. Verse 26 says, in the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a village in Galilee, to a virgin named Mary. She was engaged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of King David. Gabriel appeared to her and said, greetings, favored woman. The Lord is with you. Confused and disturbed. I love how that's written there. Do you think you'd be confused and disturbed if, if an angel showed up to tell you what this angel is about to tell Mary? So confused and disturbed, Mary tried to think what the angel could mean. Don't be afraid, Mary, the angel told her, for you have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son and you will name him Jesus. He will be very great and will be called the son of the most high. The Lord God will give him the throne of his ancestor David and he will reign over Israel forever. His kingdom will never end. In verse 34, Mary asked the angel, but how can this happen? I'm a virgin. Mary's response didn't involve disbelief like Zechariah's did. And so Gabriel said to her in verse 35, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the baby to be born will be holy and he will be called the Son of God. What's more, your relative Elizabeth has become pregnant in her old age. People used to say she was barren, but she's now in her sixth month. For nothing is impossible with God. So let's go back to that for just a second. Nothing is impossible with God. Do you believe that? Do you really believe that? I, I don't know what situation you may be in, but you may feel this situation is hopeless. There's no hope for this. That's not true. Why? Because nothing is impossible with God. You may feel like you have a broken relationship that will never be patched. That person will never forgive you or you'll never be able to forgive them, but that's not true. Why? Because nothing is impossible with God. 
You may feel like you will never be able to fill that emptiness inside after you've lost someone that you love. There's this loneliness that you feel that will never be filled back up. That's not true. Why? Because nothing is impossible with God. You may feel like doctors will never find out what's wrong with you. They'll never find out maybe what's wrong with someone that you love, but that's not necessarily true. Why? Because nothing is impossible with God. You may feel like someone you love will never beat their addiction, but again, nothing is impossible with God. You may feel like someone that you love will never turn their heart to God. Their heart is so cold, it's so hard towards God that it'll never happen, but that's not necessarily true. Why? Because nothing is impossible with God. So can you say that with me? Let's say this is together on the count of three, okay? Ready? One, two, three. Nothing is impossible with God. Again, do you believe that? Do you believe that in your situation? I don't know who needs to hear that today, but I need to hear that. I need to be reminded of that. I need it personally. And there just might be somebody else here on campus, might be somebody watching online that needs to be reminded that nothing is impossible with God. So don't give up hope. Keep believing, keep trusting, keep knowing that nothing is impossible with God. Now, if you were in Mary's sandals, what would you say to Gabriel? Okay, so you've got this angel that showed up in your life, and what would you say to this angel who says, you're going to give birth to God the Son? Like, what would you say in response to that? I don't know about you, but I would probably say, um, no thanks, Gabe. <laughs> like, thanks for the offer, but I'm not really interested in being uh, um, God's mom right now in my life. Like, I just don't think that's going to work out well for me. There's a few things I'd like to do before I, you know, kind of step into the world and do some significant things like grow up a little bit. So it's believed that Mary was probably around 14 or 15 years of age when this interaction happened. Like, can you imagine like, what was going through her mind or what might be going through our minds? But we know what she said next. So her response in verse 38 says a whole lot about Mary. She said, I'm the Lord's servant. May everything you've said about me come true. Wow. Wow. Like that's an amazing response, especially in light of what her response would mean. And if this really happened to her, what it would mean for her the rest of her life. For the rest of her life, she would live under the social stigma that she was a liar and an adulterer. There would be people constantly who would think, oh, she made up the biggest lie ever about having God's son. Like, that's not true. She had an affair on Joseph, or maybe even Joseph is trying to cover this up with her. So she would live under a very similar social stigma that her cousin Elizabeth lived under. And maybe that's why verse 39 tells us that a few days after talking with Gabriel, Mary rushed to see Elizabeth and stayed with her for three months. Imagine the conversations that they might have had about what it means to live under a social stigma that's not true. Imagine the conversations that, that Elizabeth might have initiated with Mary about what it's like to live under a label that other people give you, even though that label is not correct. 
Imagine the conversations about where can you find encouragement? Where can you find comfort? When you look around and everybody else is kind of pointing the finger at you that you've done something wrong, where do you find encouragement in those moments? When you feel like you're all alone, where do you find comfort? Where do you find encouragement? Luke 1 tells us that Elizabeth encouraged Mary. And I'm sure she comforted Mary with what Mary was about to step into. See, Elizabeth was stepping out of a social stigma she lived under all of her life. Mary was about to step into this social stigma that she would live under the rest of her life. Again, imagine the conversations that they could have had about comfort and encouragement. So maybe one of the reasons God gives us the gifts that we don't want or allows things to happen in our lives that are difficult is so we can comfort others who are walking through a similar thing. Like maybe that's one of the reasons. And I know God works in our lives with, with anything that we face, but maybe that thing that you're walking through has less to do about you and more to do about somebody else in the comfort and the encouragement that you can bring them. So if you've ever been through the difficulty of infertility, I guarantee you there is someone struggling with that right now and they're at the very beginning of that journey. If you've ever wrestled with the pain of losing someone that you love who's passed away. I guarantee you there's someone around you that's beginning that journey and they're trying to figure out how to walk that very difficult road. If you've ever known the pain of bankruptcy, I guarantee you someone around you is facing that and trying to consider whether that's something that they should do or not. If you've ever experienced the pain of adult children refusing to talk to you and withholding your grandkids from you, you're not alone. There's someone else who's experiencing that and they're not sure what to do. They're not sure what encouragement to find or what comfort to find or even where to turn for comfort. So again, maybe the gift that God has given us that feels like underwear and socks that we don't want Maybe it has less to do with us, and maybe it has more to do with other people. So early on in Tammy's medical journey that I told you it took um, two and a half years to figure out what she had, early on, she was uh, told by a doctor to do some IV therapy. And so she did IV therapy for seven months, every day for seven months in Daytona. So we would drive down or she would drive down and she would sit in her infusion center with some other people that were going through their infusions. And she would sit there for an hour, hour and a half. It was about a, maybe a three hour experience total for her. And every day for seven months, she'd go and do that. And she sat next to some people consistently. She, she got to, to know some people who were coming regularly for different reasons. And she got to have conversations with people, some very deep spiritual conversations with people who could not believe that God would love them. There were people she engaged conversations with that said, like, I, I can't imagine that God would love me after all that I've done in my life. Or it feels like God is punishing me because of what I'm, what I'm going through right now. And Tammy was able to comfort them and give them the gift of encouragement in that moment when they desperately needed to hear about God's love for them. There are moments that Tammy and I talk about this journey that we've been on over the past 16 years. And there are moments we say, hey, just maybe one of the reasons 
that we were given this gift that we didn't want was so Tammy could sit next to someone who desperately needed to meet Jesus. Maybe that's the only reason. Maybe there's gonna be someone in heaven because of those seven months that Tammy sat next to somebody and shared Jesus with them. I think that's worth it. It would be worth it for all of eternity if that was just one of the things that happened. Now, I don't know what's going on in your world. I don't know what God has gifted you that you don't want. I don't know what God will gift you this next year that you will not want. I do know that God will do some great things in your life. And there's a chance he may gift you or he may allow something in your life to happen that that you really don't want to happen, that you don't feel like is a great thing. But I do know this, God loves you. He's got a wonderful plan for your life. He would never allow anything into your life that he could not use to radically transform you or help comfort and encourage someone else. Like I know that about our God. So this Christmas would be a great time to, I know this sounds weird, but receive that gift that you may not want to receive and look for opportunities to use it in a way to bless someone else. Now, as we close, our worship team is going to come out here in just a minute, and they're going to guide us through a song called Gratitude. And we're going to spend a little time practicing being grateful for things that we've received from God, things that God has allowed in our lives. And uh, I encourage you to do two things during this song. Number one, I encourage you to talk to God about that difficult thing in your life right now. You may be in this, this battle with God saying, God, I don't want it. Like he, he knows that. But, but maybe it's time for you to say, God, I don't want it, but I'm gonna receive it as a gift and I'm gonna let you do in me whatever you wanna do in me and I'm gonna help somebody else with it as well. So talk to God about that difficult thing in your life right now. And if you need to talk to someone else today about that, I'll be in the lobby afterwards. You can stop by our care table before you leave. If you're watching online, you can email us at prayer at theepicchurch.com. We'd love to help you any way that we can. Now, the second thing I encourage you to do during the song is ask God to show you someone who is going through something similar and how you can encourage and comfort them this Christmas season. Again, sometimes we feel like we're the only ones. Nobody else is going through what we're going through. That's not true. God wants us to comfort others with the comfort that he has given us. So we just have to look around. I guarantee you there is someone around you who has been desiring help or comfort or encouragement. They've been praying for it and you just might be God's answer to prayer for them. And all you have to do is recognize the journey that they're on then open your mouth have a conversation with them about your journey, about how God is comforting you, about how God has comfort, comforted you, about how they can find comfort in God as well. Because again, that thing that's in your world, it may be less about you and it may be more about them. So will you give them the gift of Jesus and his comfort this Christmas? Christmas is about giving. Christmas is about receiving. And Christmas is about Christ. And if you think about it this way, Christmas is about giving and receiving Jesus. 
It's about giving other people Jesus. It's about receiving him for ourselves. And this Christmas would be a wonderful time to give other people and receive ourselves the gift of Jesus. Now, next week, we are going to celebrate our Christmas services. And I encourage you to invite people to be a part of this with us on campus or even online. For those on campus, we have invitation cards at the back of each seating section. I encourage you to to grab a handful of those and hand them out this next week to family, to friends, to neighbors, to coworkers, to, to students at school. Just hand them out and invite people. Like your invitation could be the gift that somebody needs to meet Jesus. Our service times will be our typical service times, 845, 1015, and 1145. And like I asked last week, I asked some of you to consider coming to our third service. Uh, Around Christmas time, people are more open to coming to church than any other time of the year. And new people often come to our first and our second service. So we've got some space in our third service that we started a few months ago because we were filling up so much. So I invite some of you to really consider inviting someone to come to the third service and be there with them so that they can experience the gift of Jesus. So if you would, let's bow and pray together. And then let's sing about our gratitude for what God has given us. So God, there are these gifts that we receive in life that are not fun to receive. We don't want to open them. We don't want them to be in our lives. We want to get rid of them as as quick as possible. And yet, for whatever reason, God, you have given us this gift or you've allowed something to happen in our lives for a specific purpose. It's so that we can comfort other people with the same comfort that we have received. Lord, today, I'm sure there are some people here on campus or some people watching online that need to be comforted. Lord, I pray that they would come to you for that. I pray that they would have a conversation with someone here on campus or even through email or a phone call where we can talk about how they can be comforted by you. And Lord, I pray that we would open our eyes and look around us because we're not alone. There are other people who are opening gifts that they don't want, gifts that they feel like they don't deserve, and you want us to help them. You want us to encourage them and comfort them in their difficulty. So Lord, change our perspective about some of the things that have happened in our world. Help us to see them as gifts that can transform us and gifts that can transform other people as well. In Jesus' name we pray this, amen.